Welcome to Open Your Eyes, a podcast about empowering each of us with the perspective and tools to grow and change. I don't know about you, but for me, listening to podcasts while I walk, work out, or drive has become a part of my life. And as I reflect back over the years at the accumulated good and perspective and knowledge that I've gained by listening to uplifting podcasts, I'm amazed. They have been a source of strength to me in my life. And to think that during those same walks or workouts or drives, I could have listened to music or just let the time pass. But instead, I was blessed to fill my life with the words of other people that have helped me so much. Now, perhaps you're the same. You find that podcasts, inspiring podcasts, can fill your days and drives with more hope and knowledge and good. So hopefully today, this podcast can do the same and give you a new perspective and tools to help you think and live better. And if you find this podcast helpful, please use that share button on your phone and share it with a friend. It just may be what they need in their life today. Let's get started. Today, I'd like to talk about keeping your belief. Christy Brown was in a panic. The man on the phone said he was from the FBI. He told her that drug traffickers had obtained her social security number and were using it to launder money. He said the FBI needed help catching them. The first thing he told her to do was not to go to local law enforcement. Christy was a retired elementary school teacher who lived in upstate New York and worried that her social security number was in the open and wanting to help catch whoever stole it. She followed the caller's instructions and didn't call local law enforcement. About three in the afternoon, she went to the local Walmart and bought four $500 Walmart gift cards. Again, at the caller's instructions, she took photos of the serial numbers and pins on the back of the cards and texted them to the man on the phone. What Christy didn't know was that the caller was not from the FBI, but instead a fraudster. Minutes after she sent the numbers to the $2,000 worth of cards she purchased, the caller sold the numbers to Kin Bin Chen, a Chinese national living in Virginia. Just minutes later, Chen passed the numbers to a co-conspirator waiting near another Walmart in Sterling, Virginia. Just eight minutes later, the accomplice used the gift cards to buy Apple, Google Play, and other gift cards at the store's self-checkout kiosk. He sent the serial numbers and pins for those cards to Chen, who then sold them to a buyer in China. Transferring the money to other companies' gift cards for use in another country made it impossible for Walmart to figure out where the funds ended up. Christie had no way to recover her $2,000. She felt embarrassed and victimized. She wished she had done things differently that day. But when she heard the news that her social security number was stolen, she was in a panic and didn't know how to slow down to think. She was doing her best with the experience she had. She had never experienced anything like this before, and she wasn't familiar with how online scams work. And truth be told, she was far from the only victim. Chen, the man orchestrating the fraud against her, oversaw the theft of some $7 million in fraudulently obtained gift cards. That's right, $7 million. He led a complex international operation involving hundreds of victims, thousands of gift cards, and multiple co-conspirators in the United States and China. And 
More than $1 billion in fraud losses were routed through just Walmart's financial systems in the last decade. In total, Americans, many of them elderly, were swindled out of $10 billion last year. Now, not long ago, 81-year-old Susan Monahan was at home when the phone rang. She said there was a young adult on the line saying, Grandma, I need your help, in a frantic voice, scared, saying, I was driving and suddenly there was a woman who stopped in front of me. She's pregnant and I hit her and they're going to take me to jail. And Grandma, please don't call my mom and dad because I don't want them to know. And as Susan related, she said, I said, Brandon, it doesn't sound like you. He said, oh, I have a cold, Grandma. Grandma, a friend of mine has an attorney that we can use and that we can do something about me going to jail. And I said, yes, of course, I will help you. She said the scammer, pretending to be a helpful attorney, got on the line. It was June of 2020 during the COVID pandemic, and he promised to keep her grandson out of jail if she could get $9,000 for bail to him quickly. The scammer kept her on the phone as she rushed to the bank. He said, when you go in there, make sure you tell them that it's for home improvements, because they might question the fact that you're withdrawing $9,000. Minutes after Monaghan got home with the cash, a courier showed up to take it. She says as soon as the courier left and the adrenaline left her body, she was filled with a sick feeling that she'd been scammed. And she was right. Experts say that scammers use fear, stress, and urgency to force the victims to act without thinking. When we're stressed, we often set aside our thinking and act in ways that we might not act if we had a few minutes to think through our actions. Interestingly, during the COVID years, successful online scams increased by 70% for this same reason. There was more stress and anxiety. A recent news report said that Steve Savage got an email from Geek Squad that said, your bank account is being charged $399 for another year. And Steve thought, wait, wait a minute. I don't remember it being anywhere close to that. The customer service number went to a scammer posing as a representative of the company and Savage was duped out of $14,000. Esther was scammed too. The retired nurse says an alarm sounded on her iPad with a message to call tech support. She did, and the tech support person said, last night between 4 and 9 p.m., your bank account was hacked. Well, Esther was in a panic. She said, I felt so nervous. But he said, I'm going to transfer you to another guy who's in security at Chase Bank. That fake bank employee told her hackers might be able to access her bank account and instructed her to immediately withdraw money and deposit it into a new account for safekeeping. Esther did and lost $11,000. Now, with AI, scammers can mimic the voice of someone with a click of a button. Scammers can pull pieces of a person's real voice and have an AI tool use those voice patterns to create synthetic conversations, copying and manipulating your voice. And with AI, scammers can also use and manipulate your image. You may have read in the news recently about Taylor Swift's image used in a scam. In a video, Taylor is shown, and she says, Hey, y'all, it's Taylor Swift here. The fake Swift says, Due to a packaging error, we can't sell 3,000 cookware sets, so I'm giving them away to my loyal fans for free. And users were directed by the AI-generated woman to click a button, and the scam was underway. It's horrible to lose money or things or what's important to us in a way in which you look back and say, I wish I had done this differently or said this differently. And it doesn't have to be through theft or a scam. 
We all have things taken from us. Some things are within our control and some are not within our control. We all experience challenges. Perhaps you've lost a friend, made a mistake, or embarrassed yourself. I've done all of these things. And life is filled with, I wish I could get a do-over. You know, Mark Sanchez was a USC quarterback who was named the most valuable player of the Rose Bowl. He was drafted in the first round by the New York Jets. A few years into his time with the Jets, on Sunday, they were playing the New England Patriots. And Sanchez was in the game as quarterback. On one play, he took a snap and was about to make a pass to the left. But then he saw an opening in front of him. And he saw that he could run forward through that opening. That's when he made the fateful decision to run. But he didn't get very far. As he started to run, he stumbled forward. Instead of running through the opening, he slipped and ran headfirst into his guard, Brandon Moore's, buttocks. The image that resulted became famous and was published everywhere. It showed Sanchez's helmet pushed into his teammate's backside. And you can imagine all of New York simultaneously laughed as they watched. Well, decades ago, the Minnesota Vikings were playing the 49ers in San Francisco when Jim Marshall ran in on one play and scooped up a fumble. Then the legendary Vikings defensive end ran 65 yards into the end zone. The problem was, it was the wrong end zone. He had run unopposed in the wrong direction without realizing it. And it ended up with him scoring a safety for the 49ers rather than a touchdown for his own team. And the thing is that mistakes or misfortunes happen to us all the time, whether it's within our control or not. And maybe right now in your life, you're dealing with a misfortunate something, perhaps in your business or family or just a turn in your life. And perhaps this has caused you some pain or heartache. Here's what I've learned if we learn how, We can use pain and misfortune rather than let them use us. And there is a way to do this with ourselves and with our teams. Antonio Macho said, under all that we think lives all that we believe. He said the belief is the ultimate veil of our spirits. In other words, what we believe covers and makes up who we are. Under every mistake or misfortune lies the belief we hold of ourselves. And like fertile ground in which a seed can be planted, that misfortune or anything else in our life can be rooted in our belief of who we really are. And this grounding allows us to move past those misfortunes and use the pain and circumstance for good, for growth. In 2007, a smart young lady named Rachel Smith from Clarksville, Tennessee, won the Miss USA pageant. She had graduated magna cum laude from Belmont University in Nashville. She worked for years to earn her title as Miss Tennessee and then Miss USA, and she arrived in Mexico City on May 1st, 2007, with the other 77 delegates from countries around the world. After competing in the preliminary competition, Smith made the semifinal round along with 14 other women. In the semifinal round, the top 15 women compete in three events, and Rachel did well in the first two events. Then came the evening gown competition. She and the other contestants prepared every detail. She had practiced her walk hundreds of times. She started her walk onto the stage, and the worst possible thing happened. She slipped, her legs flew out from under her, and she fell flat on her backside before quickly jumping up and resuming her walk. 
trying her best to remain as composed as she possibly could. This was a disaster. Everything she had worked for was gone in a single second. Well, despite her fall, she made it into the top five finalists. The problem was that Miss Mexico, the hometown favorite of everyone in the audience, didn't make it to the top five. And here was Rachel, who had fallen during her walk on stage, who made it instead of Miss Mexico. When Rachel came to participate in the final question and answer event, the local crowd was booing so loud and long that the judges had to take the mic and ask the audience for some restraint. And to make matters worse, millions of people were watching on TV. Well, after the crowd was quieted, Rachel was asked a question, and the question was randomly selected by the judges on the spot. No one knew what the question would be in advance. The question that was selected was this. If you could go back and relive one moment of your life, what moment would you pick and why? Well, of course, she wants a do-over in the evening gown competition, right? And she would say that and use humor to joke about her fall and to explain how easy it is to fall in high heels when you're nervous. But that wasn't her answer. Without hesitation, she said, If she could relive any moment in her life, she would relive her trip to South Africa where she worked and volunteered with young girls. It was the joy of her life. She said in her future she believed she would dedicate her life to doing good things like this. You see, rather than choose a point in her past when she was disappointed, she focused on her belief, the belief that she had in herself and in her future. And this defining moment in Rachel's life, how she responded, has been the story that has shaped her life. Instead of her fall being the story that is told, it's her recovery, her belief in herself that overshadows any misfortune that came her way. Our belief window, the view we have of ourselves in the world, can carry us through and beyond the misfortunes that come our way. For example, a person who's made mistakes, yet believes that God is a God of grace and forgives, can move past those mistakes. A person who failed to reach a goal, who believes they are destined to reach that goal no matter what, will see past the temporary loss to who they can be and what they will become. The truth is that in your life, you may be down at the moment. You may have lost some time or something, but if you hold on to your belief in yourself and what the future can bring, it can carry you to where you're supposed to go. And the truth is that you have more to hold on to than you think. God has given you great gifts, marvelous gifts, and they're waiting for you to believe in them and in him and in you. And this belief can bring you higher than you ever thought possible. So in these times of misfortune and at all times in our life, keeping our belief is essential. And the same goes for your teenage children as well. Helping them build and keep belief will see them through times when they need such strength. You know, in the scripture, I've always been impressed with two specific stories. The first is found in the book of Luke. Jesus had been teaching those closest to him. And at this time, his teachings were perhaps the most intense and personal to those listening. He taught that it is impossible to have two masters. You can't have God as a master and the world. He taught that we must forgive many times, regardless of the misfortunes brought on to us by others. And those listening were deeply impacted. 
And when they saw themselves through his eyes, they immediately cried out, please increase our belief. Help my unbelief. In the book of Mark, there's a story of a father who struggled caring for his son. We aren't told what the handicap was exactly, what the son's condition may have been. But as I watch my daughter and also my brother and sister care for children who are autistic or disabled, I see the weariness that sets in on those days when they wonder why and try to believe that there's a purpose in the struggle. It can be so hard to care for a son or daughter when you know that they may be at this developmental level their entire life. And in this time of struggle and difficulty, sometimes it's only belief that they have to hold on to. Belief that God is aware. Belief that there is a life after this in which this beautiful boy they kiss goodnight who doesn't fully understand, will someday fully understand what work and love it took to see him through this mortal life. Well, it is in this condition, in this very situation, that a father brings his son to Jesus. And with his heart full of hope for his son, he asks for his son to be healed. Then the Lord does not focus on the son, but rather he focuses on the father. And he says, if thou canst believe, All things are possible to him that believeth. To which the father responds, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Well, the son would indeed be healed, but it was the father's belief that was God's focus. Can it be that God gives us misfortune at times to strengthen our belief? Because when it's all said and done, it is our belief, our faith that will sustain us. It's our belief that matters most. And is our belief in God, in ourselves, and in our purpose strong enough to sustain us in whatever comes our way? As you look down the road in the life of your son or daughter, no doubt you see the hardships, tests, struggles that they'll face. You see the mountains they must climb, and you can see that belief, like the belief of this father, is what they need most in those difficult climbs. Now, on a much smaller scale, It is estimated that about one-tenth of one percent of those in our country will ever run a marathon. I recently watched two young men, Connor Mance and Clayton Young, best friends who went to school and they also trained together, took first and second at the Olympic trials. And on the women's side, Fiona O'Keefe, a senior from Stanford, who qualified for the race by running a half marathon, ran her first full marathon and set the trials record in her marathon debut. I also ran a few marathons in my day. I was really slow, and truth be told, I hated the races. It's such an intense and painful experience, and for me, every race hurt and took me to the extreme. But I loved the finish. Despite being tired, I would linger at the finish line and watch people cross the finish line, exhausted, yet triumphant. Marathons are filled with hundreds of inspiring stories. And for almost everyone, there's a point in the marathon in which you think you can't finish. In fact, Connor Mance, who won the Olympic trials, says this about his race, which he won, that several miles before the end of the race, he wasn't sure he could finish. But he said, I kept my belief. His running partner helped him keep his belief, and he held on to this belief in the miles when things got tough. I know the feeling. Many times I felt I couldn't go on when I was running, that my body couldn't do it. Do you know what kept me going? Belief. Belief that there was a finish line, that somewhere down the road a bit further, 
there's a finish and an end to the pain and the race. And this belief sustained me. So to you who struggle, keep your belief. God will see you through. Keep your belief. There's more for you waiting. There's peace and joy and triumph waiting. Keep your belief. There's a finish line where you and your team will reach your goals. When sons and daughters rise to their potential. When you can finally say you did your good work. Believe in your dreams. I believe there's a reason you have them. They may be inspired and as such need your belief to make them come true. But believe in them. Believe in your ability to take one step forward to change. Believe that you're loved, that you can make a difference, and that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Believe that the best is yet to come. Believe in a God who knows you and wants the very best for you. And believe in yourself. Now, you and I can build our belief. And we can learn to keep our belief. But it takes conscious effort. It takes effort to define and solidify your beliefs. And this can happen daily, not monthly or annually. Belief doesn't get built by chance. And keeping your belief is a daily walk. It includes reading what you believe. So if you haven't written or defined what it is you believe, then this might be the first step. If you want an amazing experience, take time to write down your beliefs. Perhaps you write down things like this. I believe that through hard work and perseverance, I can reach my goals. I believe God loves me. I believe my team can reach our goals. I believe I can change that habit. I believe I can learn how to overcome this misfortune. I believe God has more in store for me and his blessings await my demonstration of my faith in him. Whatever your belief statements are, as you write them down, you will feel power, real power enter into your thinking. And as you revisit these beliefs, you will find your ability to keep your belief will grow with each and every review. Now, you may be asking, how do I create more belief? Well, believe it or not, one simple answer is this, lighten up. That's right, lighten up. What does this have to do with belief? Well, for whatever reason, our nature is to worry about what people think, so much so that we often don't try or believe in ourselves because of it. And the truth is, as the famous saying goes, you wouldn't worry about what people think of you if you realized how seldom they did. And it's just not worrying about what people think that robs our belief. We worry about the consequences if we let ourselves down or if we fail. And as one author put it, When fear gets the better of us, we stop seeing the pros and come up with more crazy cons than a hospital for the criminally insane. Fear makes the crazy kick in. And we've all experienced that kind of crazy from time to time. We think, I don't want to go to that event and talk to people because I might say the wrong thing. I don't want to try that new business because I'm afraid I won't stick to it. And on it goes fear and worry and anxiety rob us of our ability to act and keep our belief. So what's preventing you from starting that new business? Is it fear that things might not work out? That you won't be able to do as well as you want? That your family and friends will think you're crazy? That someone else will do it better? You see, when we give in to fear, we end up later wishing we had tried it and not given in to our fears. So what if we just decided to lighten up? 
what we're afraid of really isn't that bad. Putting ourselves out there is something that can help us grow. A life without chances is a boring life. Take those chances. Go meet the new people. Go do something you've always wanted to do. Go do something that makes the folks at your family reunion say, you're crazy. You know, recently I decided to try something really new in my life. It's taking time and it's kind of weird. But rather than worry about what people thought, I decided to just lighten up. The worst that could happen is that I learned something. And the point is, if it makes you happy, it makes your heart sing, and you're not hurting anyone, then maybe it's what you need to do. That just may make you thrive. And it's what life is in part all about, thriving and taking chances. Even failure means you took a chance. People who never fail never take chances. And I promise you, at the end of their lives, they'll wish they'd risked more and failed more and tried more. A few years ago, I was a little bit at odds with the person I was in business with. This person seemed to be working as hard as he could to consistently point out my failings and flaws. And trust me, there are a lot of failings and flaws to focus on in me and my life. And I found the more he continued, the more anxious I became, and the less confidence I had in myself and my work. But then one day, as I was playing that loop in my mind, you know, the one that plays the injustices and failings over and over again in your brain, that day I decided to lighten up. If this guy wanted to persist in his approach to our working relationship, then okay. Not being in business with him wasn't the end of the world. There are so many beautiful and wonderful things in life and places to work and people to team up with. And I decided to part ways. And I reminded myself that I have so many good qualities and I can contribute my talents in many places. And in retrospect, it was the best thing that has happened to me. I just lightened up. Literally, I reminded myself to lighten up and realize that walking away wasn't the end of the world and that new doors would open for me. And when I decided this, you would be surprised at the amount of belief that re-entered my life, all from lightening up. Life is a joy. Life is funny. Life has so many beautiful things waiting for us, but instead of focusing on them, we let our fears and worries consume our view. When you lighten up, it's like opening your eyes to a new view of life. Yeah, you didn't meet your diet goals. <laughs> lighten up. Smile that you tried. Laugh that you aren't the only person who craves ice cream at night and get back to your exercise program. It's okay. Tomorrow is a lighter, brighter day. And when you lighten up, you smile, you feel better, you don't obsess, waffle, catastrophize, make mountains of molehills, seek to control someone else's life, give yourself space to try again, laugh, cry, try more things, go more places, learn more, fail more, experience more, become more than you ever thought you could become. All by talking yourself into lightening up. And all of this now brings us back to your life. So when you do this, when you lighten up, you do lose something. You lose that inner critic. We're so hard on ourselves because we don't want others to see us fail. When I first started to speak professionally, I was so hard on myself. I would critique and relive my small mistakes. And this made me more uptight and more of an ineffective presenter. But then I decided to relax, to lighten up, to just talk from what I knew inside, to stop worrying about what people think. And I got better, and I got better faster. You lose the inner critic when you lighten up 
then this frees up that inner belief to take over. And best of all, you realize that you're not here on this earth to please everyone. You're here to do your best and laugh at the rest. This is an incredibly liberating thing. Once you invite this way of thinking into your life, you will see what I'm talking about. Your self-belief will return and rise and reveal someone you enjoy being. So, as we end today, remember, misfortune that comes your way doesn't have to define us, but rather it can help us grow if we have the belief that in the long run we can and will prevail. Remember that belief, keeping your belief, is a daily effort. And if you take time to build that belief daily, no matter how long the run or the road or the trials that come your way, you can keep your belief. So lighten up. Help your team and your children do the same. And you will find that belief is the sustaining force in your life when you need sustaining. Most of all, thanks for being here today. And join us next week for another podcast as we learn to open our eyes to who and what we can become.